7 for December 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. And they have uh, Thunderbolts number 4 this month, and it stars Flash Thompson's Venom. And the team evidently goes up against the villain called Madman, and the Red Hulk is having trust issues with his new team. The cover prize is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Message board questions from Abul Aziz. Location, Dick Moveland. Nice. Uh, Brad, is there a chance you would make a podcast special asking members in the podcast, you, the big guns, choosing some members to rein them with questions instead of asking you or live caller podcasts. I, I, if I think I understand your question, you're wanting members from the message board to be directed questions from the message board. So no. Uh, <laughs> asking them questions? I guess. And, and the reason I say no or I'm hesitant to it is because we've put out 200 episodes, and you generally know who you're asking a question to if you listen to the episodes. Uh, I don't know what Lady Spider's specialty would be if she's been reading for uh, 60 years or one, 50 years or one year. So I think it would be hard, and I don't think you'd get that great of questions to people that they've never heard of. So we've got a little bit of history, so I think it's better to ask the regular panelists. Uh, let's see. Hey, guys, I'm asking you a movie question. It's kind of long. No, it's not going to be. Uh, Venom mention of a script with Vi- Amazing Spider-Man. There was mention of a script with Venom, Scorpion, and Third Villain. If Spider-Man 4 was released last year, do you think we'd ha- had the chance to see something different and not really Felicia turning vultures as they claimed before? I think if Spider-Man 4 was released last year, I honestly, I think it would be, whether it was good or bad, I think it would be more of the same if like Spider-Man 3, just trying to add more villains to it. I got the perfect example, Batman and Robin. Uh, it's not going to be nearly as gay. But I think it, when you get to the fourth scene, unless it's Harry Potter or whatever, I don't think it's great. Lady Spider, two, happy holidays, thank you. Does it bug anyone else that whenever Daredevil and Spidey team up, it's casually a Daredevil story, and it's usually bad, like the story in the 90s when Spider-Man and Daredevil stalked Karen Page. <laughs> when did they do that? I don't know. I read a lot of 90s Daredevil. I don't remember when they stalked Karen Page, but... The Senator is not a Daredevil story. That's a Spider-Man story, yeah. Spider-Man story. Um, There's some... You'd have to go You'd have to go story by story, really. Uh, are there any characters that would make a good president, DC or Marvel? Personally, I'll say a Superman's president. Marvel just went down the Captain America road batman i would say daredevil because when he campaigned oh my god matt murdoch under media scrutiny would be the most hilarious thing ever like once the media gets a hold of like heather glenn or mike murdoch iron patriot from china who has an epic avatar of a romita senior green goblin grabbing the throat of jk simmons from spider-man one isn't that beautiful jr i love that thing absolutely uh, anyone, happy holidays, anyone expecting any comic-related stuff under the tree this year? I'm bad, so no. <laughs> Anybody? I'm expecting, and by expecting I mean I was at the store when she bought it, uh, my girlfriend to buy me the latest hardcover of The Walking Dead. Mm, yep, that's cool. I'm, I'm waiting for the latest trade that just got released from The Walking Dead. I'm looking forward to that. I've made Spider-Man probably. Last year's Spider Gift, if you haven't already got it, Spider-Man The Vault by Peter David. That's a really, a really good cool one. Uh, to Josh, if you can pick any one comic or storyline from each decade of Spidey's history to define that era for a newbie, what would you choose? Okay, uh, this is not the best of the best. This is just defines, meaning like it's a storyline that gives you a sense of what that decade or era was like. I'd say for the 60s, Tablet of Time 
because it has, you know, most of the classic Silver Age cast, and you see different things, and it shows you the whole, like, how one story bled into another at that point, because it ends with a lizard-human-torch battle. For the 70s, I'm very biased with this, but I would say the Conway clone saga, it hits up of, it's a very big turning point, and it hits up lots of things, and the overall theme of it is Spider-Man moving on from Gwen. The 80s, I would say, like, the 270, like, amazing 270s-ish era with the Falco and Friends, like, even when I was researching for the Shashan Bertoni's bios, like, issue 275 has so much stuff in there, and, like, all the plots and subplots with the supporting cast, like Ned and Betty, Flash and Shashan, Mary Jane finding out Peter's origin, the Hobgoblin stuff, the Rose, there was a lot going on. For the 90s... Take it. <laughs> After the Clone Saga ended? I like that, but like that's how yeah. do you define the nineties? That's like run. Oh, there you go. That's early nineties. I really yeah. feel yeah, I really feel like Michelini's like an early eighties thing. I mean maybe you would say the clone oh. saga because that's like one of the biggest things you can take from the nineties. But see I only thought about the first three decades. I didn't think I should have thought more about the nineties and the early thousands, but I'd say for the early thousands, the um Paul Jenkins, um mm. um and yeah. Humberto Ramos Death in the Family story. That's good. To Don, pick your favorite Spider Man image by the following people Ditko, Ramita Senior, Ramita Junior, Friends and Bagley. Who are these people? What do they do? Um <laughs> Steve Our Spider Historian is ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Steve Ditko, uh the 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 full splash page in ASM thirty three, um um the heavy stuff. The final chapter. You know, I did it. I, I did it. That was, that was awesome. Iconic, glorious, beautiful art. John Romita Sr. Um, I was talking to Josh the other day, and there's so many images you could choose from. I, really, li- I really like the yeah. image uh, in uh, – I don't remember which issue it is, but <laughs> I did Is it 42 with a tiger reference? That's – come on. You got to pick that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, I, I think there are instances where Romita's art is actually better. Like, Like – I hesitate to do this because it feels like such a bit, but the story with Shashan, but in that in that in that part two where like at the end of part one, uh, Peter's saying, "Gwen, uh, get out of here. I got things to do." Because he's trying to change the Spider-Man, and Gwen says, "No, Peter. Everyone calls you a coward, but I want you to stay with me." And he's like, "How will I do this? But revealing that I'm Spider-Man." And the next issue, there's a splash page of like him and other people, like Flash and the enemies, over a web, and you see Peter like kind of. Like, kind of like like putting his head his head into his hand. It's really really lovely artwork. And that's probably my favorite Ramita Senior image. I wish I remembered the the uh, the image the issue number. Uh, Ramita Junior, probably and I guess that's a little hard to probably in volume two number fifty. That splash page of Peter and Mary Jane hugging when they kind of reconcile and Peter says, you know, I love you, I need you, come back, come back to me. You know what I'm talking about? At the airport. Yeah. I, yeah, I really love that. Uh, Ron Friends uh, from Hot Girl and Lives Part Two near the end. Uh, this is my first, one of my first Spider-Man stories that I read, like like issue to issue to issue, and coming off of like the '90s show when Peter, when Spider-Man is going after the Hobgoblin, uh, Ron Friends draws it to where he's like he swings through like a I think a, a, a street lamp. And, like, flips under the Goblin's glider and, like, is singing, you know, he floats through the air with the greatest of ease. <laughs> and, like, there's a multiple image of Spider-Man flipping under the glider and then darting back right behind the Goblin in the middle of the air. I think that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, that, I think that's really yeah. great artwork and very Spider-Man-like. And Mark yep. Bagley, I can't decide. It's either from Spider-Man Batman or ASM 400. It's, he's just too good of an artist for me to pick one single image. Uh, Brad, of all the variants for S- Amazing Spider-Man 700, which one's your favorite? Say who the poster like- is. Oh, sorry, Wombat 909, UK. Uh, the favorite ASM 700 issue, I think, is the mon- the collage. I think that's the most creative. It's something we've never seen before, at least on a cover of Spider-Man. I like that one a lot. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this season's Walking Dead, especially the way they took scenes from the books and softened them down for TV? And were you disappointed, or did you expect them to be censored? Well, the first question is, what are my thoughts on the season overall, I think? And, um, you know, I've actually really, really enjoyed this season. Uh, So far, it's been a half season with you know, we're in the middle of a break between the two halves. And those eight episodes of the first half, I think, are really by far the best consecutive eight episodes the show has ever done. Just, like, really exciting stuff happening every single episode. Um, as for things that were softened down, that that's a good question, because I have actually have been, like, uh, complaining about that to people. And, you know, 
I there are certain scenes that I've been, you know, wondering how they could possibly realize on TV since before there was even a TV show announced. Um, and, you know, like some of this stuff, you just got to know they're not going to do it exactly like that. I think the one you're referencing spoilers, the baby death. I don't think they could do that on TV. Well, they did a pretty brutal scene with the mother's death in the TV show. Um, yeah, that's true. But, but like, killing a baby is different I mean, than a person that dies every week. There, there's like a rape scene in the um, yeah, the comic that in the TV show they made it. You know, the guy was asking someone to take their shirt off. You know, that it's softened to that yeah. level. Or like, you know, there's a like the person who gets raped in the comic comes back and just tortures the rapist. Like, you know, scooping his eyeballs out with a spoon, and you see it in the comic. And there was just Ooh. no way that would have ever been on TV. So, you know, it is a little bit, you know, I, I'm more of a little bit of a purist with The Walking Dead, and I, I feel like there's always good reasons in the story for the um, harsh material that it has, and it does sort of diminish the TV show a little bit, but, um, you know, this is the this is the most, like, hardcore you're going to get on basic cable, so, you know, I'm, I can't complain too much. To the gang, we're going to narrow it down to one. Uh, of the Avengers, The Amazing Spider-Man and The Dark Knight, what was your favorite superhero movie of the year? Dread 3D. No. <laughs> Die Everyone, Don, Beacon Kid 3. Dog days. Don, Don spoke up first. Don, what's your answer? I imagine it's not Spider-Man. Uh, I, I really hate to say because I loved all of them, but probably The Dark Knight Rises because Batman's my favorite character. My favorite, The Avengers. Uh, Steve Rogers from New York City. JR, did you get a chance to check out the Star Trek Into Darkness trailer that was released this year? If so, what are your thoughts? I absolutely saw it, and I thought it was an awesome trailer. Yeah. Con or Gary Mitchell or other? Oh, Sherlock. Lord. Uh, per- right, Sherlock. Now, I th- I, right now, I think, you know, I, I, I have to say, I, I think it's got to be Con. I mean, I do too. Gary Mitchell, I mean, it's like, you know, why, why are you going to waste Bennett? And at Cumberbatch on Gary Mitchell, you know, who's basically an overgrown <laughs> frat boy, you know? <laughs> I'm going to go on record right now and call that it's not going to be con. Okay, you're going to be wearing a Brad and JR shirt, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, just like I asked Brad a couple of months ago, does it irk you when comics get aspects of the legal profession wrong? Um, That's a hard question to answer because since I have been a lawyer and a law student i haven't really been reading that many comics that try to do like a legal drama type thing so i'll instead of answering the question directly i'll compare it to tv like when i watch something like law and order it it does sort of like um bother me like there's no way that question would have been allowed and and stuff like that but you know (laughs) it's all it's all for entertainment like everybody's gonna have their uh their thing you know, mispresented yeah. a little bit. Donovan, congrats on a year of the new Next Dimension Dragon Ball Z podcast. Thank you very much. Have you ever checked out the Spidey manga titles in Marvel's Mangaverse? I've not read too much of like that 70s Spider-Man manga, although I used to see it in my LCS. Uh, the Mangaverse, I read, it's like, I don't know if you guys know about this, but like Peter, pa- Spider-Man and Mary Jane were like a uh, crime-fighting duo. And like the black yeah. cat was like weird, hooked up with uh, Wolverine. It was actually, it was well drawn, but it was actually very weird. <laughs> But uh, yeah. it was—I don't remember much, too much from it, but I remember reading it, and it was—it was not horrible. It was odd. It was interesting. Josh, what would make a good Star Wars Marvel crossover? Guardians of the Galaxy meets Luke, or Jar Jar meets Ben Grimm? I, I absolutely don't think that they should really cross over beyond like parody. But if I was an editor and it was a mandate by like my supervisor, I would say the Marvel characters have to go to the Star Wars universe because the idea of like Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader walking down like Times Square in New York City, that's just that's so wrong. yeah, that, that that should never ever happen. But that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you can have, like, like, there are so many Fantastic Four and, like, Marvel cosmic characters, like Silver Surfer and Galactus and stuff. They would work in a Star Wars story. So use, like, use cosmic characters. Like, don't have the Punisher show up. That's... I mean, Punisher! Space Punisher meets right. Archie. That would, be, that would be cool. And, like, yeah, but we're not going to have, like, an Aunt May Obi-Wan Kenobi love scene. So. Obi-Wan Kenobi, never mind. You're my only hope. Uh, JR. I hate Aunt May. Uh, this is a Mary Jane question for you. Sum it up. It's pretty long. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, because Big Al also sent me a, a rather longer variation of this in a, a PM. 
uh, earlier. And uh, Big Al, if I don't answer your question, uh, just PM me again. But basically, he's referencing one of the things I wrote in my article because I complained that I thought Mary Jane was written poorly after they got married because I thought she became too serious and faithful and steady a character and she whined too much and and I preferred back when she was uh, you know acting goofy and uh, kind of doing silly stuff and saying silly stuff I liked that better and he was basically saying well doesn't it make sense for once she married Peter to kind of grow up a little bit and and maybe adopt some of his uh, his uh, characteristics and his um, you know uh, devotion to responsibility and and you know I agree with you Big Al and yeah I probably oversimplified it you know, by by implying that that's all the kind of, you know, that Mary Jane was always written poorly after the marriage. But when you have, the thing is, though, in, in a long-running drama, you Mary Jane's personality and her popularity was because, I think, because she was in contrast to Peter. She did things that Peter wouldn't was too square to do. She said things like when she was teasing uh, Thomas Reinhardt by comparing his widow's peak to Eddie Munster and, you know, getting under his skin and stuff. I mean, that's that's Mary Jane. Um, and when she just is a it's hard to explain, but it, it just she was. Oh, okay. She ha- yeah, OK, I get it. I'm getting it. Yeah, it it's just. She the the purpose she served was to kind of be a counterbalance to Peter's seriousness. And yes, she would grow up a little bit. And yes, it would be appropriate for her to be a little more serious. But to continue for the to continue writing the characters to make them a vi- to make her continuing to be a viable character, you have to make her contrast to the hero. And if all she does is echo the hero's feelings and what he's saying, that yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Uh, or oh, I don't. Why do you do that? That's you know that that's very lazy writing. So I don't know if I answered it properly, but I liked it. Bertoni, it's often been said that Gwen's personality changed after her father was introduced, and she began to cry more frequently. Could you please do an impression of Gwen from this era, since we sadly never got there in Amazing Spider-Man Classics? And your impression of the characters, especially Betty Brant, were always a highlight. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done uh, the voices, and like. Uh, I think that Gwen's cry would be different from Betty's cry, and I base Betty's cry on, if you ever watched the show called Drawn Together, there was a character called Captain Hero, and, like, he was just, like, an effeminate version of, like, the Bruce Tim Paul Dini Superman, and he would run away, like, crying, like, <laughs> so, like, that was, but I think Gwen's cry, you know, uh, would be more of, like, the Silver Age Gwen, it would be, like, more of a slow, like, <laughs> type thing, and, uh, like, uh, yeah. for example, issue 101 or 102, where, like, at, at that point, she just cries at the drop of a hat. Like, she's like, hey, Peter, can we go to a movie? Oh, I can't, Gwen. I got six arms. Okay. Six arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, got, read the or issue. like a toddler. Read, yeah. read the issue. That's how it happens. The woman, like, <laughs> cry. And then, like, the next issue, she's like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'll call Aunt May. Everything's fine. Um, is Peter yeah. home? No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> Betty did the exact same thing in the Dicko issue. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it, Betty would get more mad instead of, uh, like, towards the end. instead of. Betty crying. got a gun. Yeah, yeah, Betty got a gun. Betty got a gun. Uh, let's aim this one at Kevin. I haven't heard from Kevin in a while. To Woo. the Mayday Spider-Girl fans on the panel, would you have been opposed or in favor of the idea of ultimately seeing Mayday go to college? Uh, yeah, I think it's about time. I mean, she's had a good, what, 140, 150-plus issues in publication now, and considering... Her big inspiration, Spider-Man, um, was moved off to college pretty quickly by Stan Lee. And especially since she's been out of publication for a while, if I was going to be the one that started a new Spider-Girl series, I would probably start at her high school graduation and begin moving her to college. And it's also a good way, um, since not everybody that's going to pick it up knows 150 issues of supporting character continuity to maybe clean a couple of those out, introduce a couple of new ones, and then when you introduce new ones, you have to introduce the previous ones to the new ones and therefore introduce them to the new readers. Another question, and the gang, I'm going to send it to Bertoni since he just did Bruce on Bertoni Bios last month. Uh, if you all had to review the Amazing Fantasy 15, no, it's Amazing Spider-Man 21, I'm guessing, the wedding issue and the honeymoon annual, in the same way you review current Spider books, what would your pros and cons and grades be? 
Um, I have a story out that goes with that, which you'll either really find this interesting or you'll find this really frustrating since you were a fan of classics. I don't know if we've ever told this story in quote-unquote public before, but for an April Fool's joke, um, John, Don, and I, a year and a half ago, and Zach joined us, we were doing a fake podcast called, um, what was it? From from one more day to, no, from wedding day to brand new day. No, to Marisimapisto. No, no, because Bailey was doing that one. We got into that whole, like, thing about what we were going to call it. And it wound up being from wedding day to brand new day, the retcon adventures of Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man. And <laughs> and we were going to pretend that it was, like, a new podcast covering all the marriage stuff month by month. But it was um, going to come out on April Fool's and at the end reveal to be an April Fool's joke. We recorded it with Zach, and we did exactly what you're asking us to do here. We reviewed, like, the wedding annual and the proposal issues and... At the end, like, the biggest nightmare of nightmares, it didn't get recorded. And oh, man. for, like, a week afterwards, I thought that John was messing with me for, like, as an April Fool's joke. Surprise, it got recorded after all. So I refused to believe him when he said that it didn't get recorded. <laughs> Very sad. So, uh, yeah, your question was actually answered in, like, um, a two- or three-hour podcast that's forever lost. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Extreme Spider, New York City, Prime. Donovan, the age-old question, almost as old as time itself. Spider-Man versus... Goku. Superman. What the hell? Who? It says Superman, Superman. versus Goku. Oh, I'm sorry. We're show, aren't we? Why are we getting Superman? I'm sorry. It's Goku versus Dooku. You know what? You know what? You know what? Someone asks us later on down the line, so I'll answer Spider-Man versus Goku. It's not even close. <laughs> Goku. Even in Dragon Ball, Goku would kill him. All right, there you go. For Tony, if Spidey was teamed up with the Beatles, which Beatle, what Beatle, what Beatle would he equip the most with? John Lennon, because John Lennon was, and this is this is something that's been flanderized over the years, but he was the quippy one, and even into the seventies, he was very good at coming up with quips on his feet. But I could see like Spider-Man somehow blaming himself for the breakup of the group, like going out of like Abbey Road Studios. It's all my fault. It's all my. <laughs> Kevin, why the hell does Spider? Spider-Man beat up on Morbius. Almost any other villain he tries to reason with, but not Morbius. He just goes in and wails on him till he's down. Uh, the best explanation I've been able to come up with for this, because it is something I've thought about too, is that uh, because you know he's got all these other colorful supervillains and a lot of the scarier ones like Venom or Green Goblin, he has some sort of personal connection to, like he knows the person in the costume. But Morbius being a vampire, a vampire is such this mythological uh, nightmare character that it just kind of triggers something in him, like, you know, a fear of that sort of thing. And he doesn't see him as really a human being like he does because he knows Norman Osborn or Eddie Brock or whoever. Um, he just sees this vampire and he has that uh, that gut reaction to a vampire. Um, and so he just beats the crap out of him. That's the best well, I can you would say. Think- that all the a lot of the Spider-Man villains are based off of animals, like a lizard and a rhino. This is one off of a bat. Yeah, but it's a, why, yeah. but yeah, vampire is something that we all grew up with in yeah. horror movies, you know, and this and it's something that he's facing straight out of a horror movie. So like I said, I don't I don't think it necessarily makes sense that Spider-Man reacts that way, but the fact is he does in so many comics over the years. That's, and if yeah. I'm coming up with an explanation, that's the best I got. Uh, yeah, that dude, that's good. Even in this uh, latest issue that we just read, Morbius is act- asking uh, Peter and Doc Ock's body to let him it. out, and he's like, "Let him rot." Hey, Luther, <laughs> you want to come with us? Oh. Yeah, he lets <laughs> rot, and I think it's in the six ninety nine point one preview. Morbius pretty much points out, "I've studied cases like this. I could totally cure you, you some bitch." <laughs> but no, leave him in there because yeah, he's a vampire. Yeah. Jr. Favorite comic crossover with other publishing companies. Well, it's probably, it's not from a quality standpoint, it's from a personal standpoint. Uh, It'd probably be the original Spider-Man-Superman crossover, the big treasury edition, uh, because, one, I just remembered it was so awesome. It was the first time it ever happened, Uh, and it was a really big deal. And I just remember first seeing it in the Rexall Drugs, and it was $2. And I had, I was 12 at the time, I had to really work my mom. Mom, I gotta have it! <laughs> but it, you know, but it was a whole $2, you know, and, uh, you know, well, did the, you know? These, you know, these days when mom is not so much mom anymore, it's just kind of a memory of her, so, anyway. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Donovan's asking questions on the board now. Surprise, you right? 
Here's a question for the gang I heard on another podcast recently. Who do you think understands Spider-Man the best, subjectively speaking, of course, but who in your mind gets the concept of the character the most out of everyone who's ever worked on him? Does not have to be one single person. What do you think? Um, I like I, Roger Stern a lot. I think that the question is um, – the problem is it that whoever we pick to answer our question is depending upon our personal perception of Spider-Man. Like, who's to say that Dan Slott's perception of Spider-Man is any, you know, more valid than Roger Stern's or so-and-so? So that question, it's it's hard to ask objectively because it's all in the eye of the beholder. And my yeah, short answer would be Tom DeFalco. Yeah, I agree with Bertone. I think it depends on, like, when you started reading, too, or, when, or whatever mm-hmm. your first exposure was. Like, for me, it was the animated series. So I think your first real exposure that you liked becomes your definition of the character. So it's not really who gets the character so much as who comes the closest to that version of the character that you liked. Hence hence my Roger Stern. JR, you got one? Uh, yeah, I would probably... It'd be a toss-up between Peter David or Tom DeFalco. Mm, nice. I think Peter David wow. is the overall better writer, so... Yeah. Real quick, uh, Kevin and, and uh, Chris? I Go honestly ahead, don't know. I don't think I can say. Okay. okay. Chris? I, I don't know... Um either uh, I'll, i i might ramble a little bit while i think through it but i just my reaction to you guys saying roger stern is that i remember all these uh statements by roger stern about how when brand new day came out he was on like the internet saying you know spider-man finally seems like spider-man again and the way I, the way i took that is you know spider-man is being written the same way he wrote spider-man 20 years ago so i think a lot of these writers have a conception of the character that's frozen at the point of time when they had read them now when you say peter david though i actually do think he is a writer who manages who had managed to update his idea of the character through all the changes and actually sort of embrace some of the stuff that was happening when he had his uh second run on friendly neighborhood so you know I, i think i would go with him actually since i might go ahead and say jmd Mm-hmm. I disagree with that, but I'm moving on to Spidey Dude. He wrote a question also. To the gang, who's ready for Superior Spider-Man if it's Ock? Yes, it is. And the, Well, we don't know that, actually. Come think of it. And the Scarlet Spider to team up. I mean, the last time Ock saw Kane, he broke his, he broke his damn neck. I would love a rematch. I imagine that's coming. Superior Spider-Man is killing Kane. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Breaking his neck. Well, and Chris Yost is going to be writing the Avenging Spider-Man. Man team-up book in the Superior era, so he's the Scarlet Spider writer. Hopefully he brings them together in Avenging. Yep. Spider Gopher 24 from Minnesota. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, who wants this one? Whoever talks uh, well, first yeah, gets it. Well, I, I, Donovan gets it. Marvel executives <laughs> usually refer to Spider-Man Peter Parker as their premier solo character. Do you believe that Marvel really does treat him that way? Not when there's an Iron Man movie that comes out. Oh. JR, <laughs> do you ever think they'll make another Star Trek TV show, or will there be only be movies from here on out? Um, let's see if I can make this quick. It's a good question. If you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said unequivocally be there'll be another Star Trek TV show. Uh, the problem is now the realities of television, uh, where t- where the networks are abandoning uh, scripted dramas for you know sh- for Snooky and. You know, and and cooking, you know, the chew. I mean, like ABC ditched their, you know, some of their, you know, forty-year-old soap operas for an eating show and a, you know, and a lifestyle show, and uh, you know, plus science fiction is already prohibitively expensive. You've also got the um, the fact that C- that Star Trek, the rights to Star Trek, actually have been split in two. When Viacom broke up, Paramount and CBS went their separate ways. Paramount has the movie rights, CBS has the TV rights. So it wouldn't be as simple as saying, well, yeah, they could use the old sets, uh, the movie sets. Uh, no, those are owned by Paramount, not CBS. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, on network TV, it would have to be on CBS. You can't run it multiple times like you would if it was on TNT or USA. Uh, and I still, I don't think. Star Trek has that much of appeal to a mass audience yet. I don't think it's proven that yet. So I was. And I'm say, trying to think of what uh, CBS cable channels. I'm, I'm, I was I'm trying to think of it too because I know that NBC yeah. used to run some of the Law and Order first runs. They'd show them up on, on USA. USA. Because yeah. I think, and I think on Bravo even, but I, I don't know who CBS owns. But the, the, the economics of both TV and putting together a science fiction show, I would say, would make the odds less than fifty-fifty. 
Brad, after one month of Marvel Now, what has been your favorite of the relaunch titles? Um, surprisingly, I liked Captain America. I liked that a lot. That was some trippy stuff. It was trippy, and it's Cap out of his element, but I'm not offended yet. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic Four and FF number one surprised the hell out of me. What did you think of uh, the Hulk? By Hulk way. was the best written in, since Jenkins had it. I, I, I like the, the Hulk a lot. And I, I didn't really care for the pack, pack stuff. I liked World War Hulk, but uh, uh, the rest of it with the, the Incredible Hulks, plural, did not really care for that many colors of the Hulk. But I am very excited because I think Daredevil's been solid. So, Wade, you've got my attention. Please get it up to Peter David's status. We haven't had that in 15 years. Don, what do you think of Skyfall? Let the sky fall. No, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Adele. Uh, <laughs> I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I saw it twice, and um, after thinking about it, it might be in my top five Bond films. Yeah, I liked it a lot, oh, too. Oh, my top so five? I know, I, know, you... I know George hated it for, you know, negligence. Yeah. Reasons, well, George hates things. He's George. He's costly. He Skyfall was awesome. awesome. Skyfall was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, thanks, gangs, for having the most superior Spider-Man site on the web. Thank you very much, Mr. Gopher. Scarlet Spider uh, from... Macross City is it a comic book town or is Mac it Cross something City real? Macross City is uh, the home. That's the central city of the uh, anime Macross slash Robotech, which is my favorite anime. There you go. The first one who talks after I read this question gets it. With the upcoming status quo change impending our wall crawler, I have to ask: Out of all the status quo changes, what would your favorite have to be, and what was your least favorite to make you all think one more day is not an option? I mean, I mean Oh. <laughs> Go, Chris. I don't know if that would have worked. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Um, I, I just want to say my favorite status quo is obviously um, Doc Ock and Peter switching bodies. I hope it never ends. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan, have you sat down and watched any of the other animes that make up Robotech the Macros? Ah, there he is. Saga such as Megazone 23. I, oh, that's so much better than 22. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I I've heard of what you're talking about, but I, I did I've not seen it. I well, I saw this question and Google it, and I probably thought a lot of sex scenes in that, but I've not actually watched it. Josh, you got a Star Wars question. Announcement of uh, Star Wars seven and nine, and the fact that this there will be more movies after apparently. What side characters would you like to get a movie of their own? Can a character like Boba Fett carry a film? I think so. I think he could. Um, I, I think that we need new characters. Like a lot of people are like excited about the old characters coming back. Which, as great as it would be, we need a new set of classic characters for a new generation. You know, like, this generation needs their own, you know, Luke and Han. And when I say needs their own Luke and Han, I don't mean, like, just younger versions of them. But I mean, like, those new types of characters that you can relate to. Like, Han Solo, I, he's not the most original character, the roguish, but he's um one of those characters that when you describe him or, like, anyone can act like him and mimic him and, like, you and you would know who they were talking about. We need something like, like the, and we need more strong female characters because the original trilogy, my gosh, they just had Leia. And and Jar Jar Binks was the first one introduced in the modern times and was not a hit. What do you mean? I loved him. Uh, well, you, you you're so crazy. Uh, <laughs> to Donovan, the next episode of Death Battle. Actually, I'm sorry, Lomax the Third. First time poster, longtime listener. He loves the podcast. You guys are my source to keep going to for the current status on Spidey. I don't read the books anymore. I'm waiting for a good reentry point. That's what she... Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> that's what Aunt May said. Uh, let's see. The Donovan, the next episode, Death Battle on the ScrewAttack.com will feature Goku, another Goku, with Superman in a death fight. Who's your prediction for the winner? We hit that one already, didn't well, we? I mean, I Spider-Man. We went with Spider-Man, but like, because you got it oh, wrong. Okay. But, because uh, people <laughs> ask us all the time, because Goku's powerful as hell. And because of that, I think... I would like Superman to win because I might like DC Comics more than DBZ. I don't know. But probably Goku because I don't know, if you know how powerful he gets, it's redonkulous. So I would, I would imagine him, but I would like Superman to win. Here's an interesting one. If Stella was a Spider-Man foe, what would her name be and powers be? Okay, I'll this one. Uh, Kevin? <laughs> Stella's villain name would be Latina, and she would spend a lot of time explaining that she's not actually a Latina. She just likes Latin, and she's a female. And her powers <laughs> are to talk to you, and by, by just talking to you, your mind automatically goes to duckies. And by that, she distracts you and can kill you. Uh, nice! Not topping that one. That was pretty I'm good. Tell her that. <laughs> nice. 
If to Brad, if Eddie D'Angelini again, take a shot. We love the guy. Were to base a collector's strip on your life, what would it be? Well, I think the main character would be sick. He'd have 101 temperature, and he's plowing through message board questions. So at, the, <laughs> at the end, he has a great finale with a lot of humor, etc. It'd be about it. If you did, I've got about 101, 102 temp right now, but I'm plowing through. DC Marvel fan guy, 21 posts, so fairly new to the gang. Uh, does anyone watch the new Green Arrow show, Arrow? Who watches this one? They can take it. I watched that. It's actually like it? surprisingly good. I thought it was going to suck from all the reports beforehand, but it's been a really solidly entertaining show so far. I have not seen it. To Bertoni, I know Dan Slott and Ga- Christos Gage didn't address the Daniel Kingsley situation in the story, but Slott did address it on Twitter. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, and then t- t- the thing, it, that the, and the next thing's not a question. It's the transcript of the Twitter thing. Oh, wow, I see. I thought it was a question. Uh, Greg XP, oh, our buddy. Why did get Daniel Kingsley have a super have super strength in 649, and why was he behaving like a villain when he hated murder and crime? Dan Slott's reply, augmented suits, number one. Number two, Winkler device. I don't know what that is. Come on. Number three, come on, you read comics. You know how this works. No, Brad. You know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, that's become his new catchphrase. Like, we need to start, like, cataloging every time he says that. Because he said that in the Aunt May thing. He said that when, with the whole Mysterio thing. And, okay, when people would just show up, this isn't like the Joker and Batman fought in a warehouse. There was an explosion, and they didn't find the Joker's body, and the Joker showed back up again a month later. We don't need an explanation for that. You know, like, the Joker survives falls and explosions. This is Daniel Kingsley, a character who, the last time we saw him, was in the witness protection program trying to get away from his brother, did not want to work for his brother again, was always, like, hiding in toilets like the lawyer from Jurassic Park when action was going on, always sweating (laughs) profusely, never wanted to be a part of anything. His brother wanted to kill him because he didn't trust him. All of a sudden, he trusts him enough to make him the Hobgoblin, and he has super strength no these are things that need to be explained can you imagine if like in the silver age or something oh i don't know like um let's say like when stacy like showed back up in the bronze age and out, out of nowhere they didn't explain how she was back and it's like come on guys this is comics you know how this works or a villain has powers you know and instead of giving them an origin just be like oh come on guys this is comics you know how it works and it's just it's, gets yeah. lazier and lazier you know, people, these, I don't have to explain it. Just keep buying the book. Translation. Yeah, well, right? yeah. it, it's, it's this deteriorating thing that's happened over time. Like, in, it, we used to see Batman do detective work, and I don't read the new 52, so maybe he's doing it again. But it annoyed me when people would be like, how did you know this Batman? And he'd say, I just know. And I just – I think that we need to be doing a lot more explaining. And the Mysterio uh-huh. thing – oh, go ahead. Stuff happens in between the panels, Bertoni, and also on Twitter, don't you know? Well, Daniel Kingsley <laughs> is a pretty big between the leaps panels. I know it. I know it. I think Wall it's... Crawler from Toronto, oh, Canada. Too, Chris, that's oh, in the yeah. Can I, oh, go ahead, I Chris. I just want to say one thing about the last question. Um, go ahead. I, I just think it's really funny that the, the Winkler device is something that was just so obviously used in Dan Slott's mind that it shouldn't even have to be explained. Like this like magical device we haven't even like seen in the comics for like 20 years. I don't even know what the Winkler device it's is. It's the Hobgoblin's mind control device, actually. We used to mind control like Ned Leeds. Originally, the brainwasher had it. That's why it's called the Winkler device, because his name is the Winkler. Even That's... though it's not called the Winkler device in any of the comic books. Well, lives. Okay, question to me from Wallcrawler, Toronto, Canada. Uh, thanks for taking time to answer our questions. Thank you, Wallcrawler, for writing. And Brad, if you were bitten by the infamous spider and decided to don the webs, what would your colors and style of costume be, and how would you construct your web shooters, if any, to work? Uh, yeah, no one wants to read that. Uh, I'm driving from place to place. I ain't swinging my big ass around town. I'm sorry. I, mean, I would fall, and gravity, I would last one issue. Sorry, but that was not something you want to read. I'm not smart enough to build a web shooter, so... Etc. JR, you are the goblin, my friend. Spidey's biggest foe. Do you go glider, or do you go another method of flight? Describe your costume. What kind of bombs or nasty surprises are you keeping in your pink pouch of Papa Boom? Papa Boom. My goodness. Well, Hit it, Papa Boom. Well, first of all... uh, I haven't used my perfectly powerful pink pouch of Papa Boone since my second child was born. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, 
uh, and also I want to go back to the Stella question. Uh, that's you know, if for example, if Stella wasn't able to melt your brain through her vast intellect, she would grab a big stick that she euphemistically calls the fat one, and then she'd crack open your head. Uh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Anyway, what would I? The thing is, the glider would have to go because when you think about it, you, you, you. If you're wanting to fight a superhero, you've already got two of your limbs that are are already wrapped up trying to control the device, and mm-hmm. you can't get any leverage. I mean, st- st- stand in one place, don't move your legs, throw a baseball or try to throw a punch. You have no leverage, so the glider would have to go. Actually, as as tacky as it would look, probably some kind of wing thing, and then I would just like load it with missiles and shit. So, all right, Bertoni, sup, brah? Sup? What sh- sup? What should Aunt May really have removed from the book for good? I felt it after the Ditko run. I don't understand the question. What do you What do you mean you don't understand when the question? Should Aunt May really have been removed from the book? Yeah. For- oh, 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 I, I think I'm thinking Aunt May removed something from a mysterious book. When, <laughs> <laughs> Brad, this, this like this fever that you got, it's like it's starting. To- <laughs> um, it's. Part of this, part of my opinion on this is because of when I started reading the books, but I really felt that when she died in 400, and like from there, Peter and Mary Jane being on, quote unquote, on their own, except for Anna Watson acting as a substitute from time to time, that felt right, and that felt like it was the next level of like, you know, the maturity, Peter's maturity and where he should have been, so, and everything after that, except except for when JMS wrote Aunt May, felt very, very backwards, so I'd say 400. Don, Gwen and Flash, were they dating? Go. Uh, you know, reflecting on it at this late date, in Bertoni's terms, using the terms they dated as opposed to they were dating, I would have to concede that they did technically go on dates, but it always feels weird to me saying that they were dating because it sounds like they were going steady, which they weren't. But intently speaking, maybe. Chris, you called it from the start, my friend. So the big question is, how did he do it? If you were Doc Ock, would you have constructed and masterminded this insane plan? We've, well, first, we answered it. first, I would have made sure Aunt May took her birth control pills. Whoa, um, oh, wait. He's talking about the mind swap, isn't he? Um, there you go. I, I just <laughs> this in the comic. Gross. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I was getting grossed out. <laughs> I just do it the same, the mind swap the same way as in the comic. In the interest of uh, bad audio, please don't do any Aunt May sex jokes I might hurl. Uh, Kevin, we've seen the empty speech bubble from Uncle Ben in the 700-issue teaser. I couldn't think of anyone else I would want this answer from, so here goes. In your heart of hearts, Kevin, what does Ben say to Peter? And not what you think the book will make him say, but what do you believe he really says? Yeah, okay, for context, in the panel beforehand... Uh, Uncle Ben says, uh, you've more than earned your rest. Any other time, I'd give you my blessing, dot, dot, dot. Then there's an empty panel, uh, or it's classified over his speech bubble. And then the next one, Peter's saying, I won't, Uncle Ben. So the only thing I can come up with that he's saying is, you have to go back and kill that Jay son of a bitch. Don't let him violate my wife anymore. Nice. Wallcrawler also gives a, a nice little note to me about... Uh, spoiling Mrs. Crawl Space and Baby Crawl Space for Christmas and and wishing us good fortune. And uh, I love you guys. Thank you for getting me through the good and the bad of my recent days. From the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough. That was really nice, Walt Carl. You're very, very much, much welcome. Six, six, six and a half. Math Capital, California. Hooray. I've never been a fan of Bramos, but a common problem I've seen with artists like him is more than just the art. That's their storytelling. The artist must convey the plot effectively, efficiently, and as well as artistically with the majority of the more messy style artists that work on ASM recently. The stories are always weaker, in my opinion. However, you look at some of the issues with better artists, such as 628, and they read much better. Not to say that Slot isn't without his flaws, but what do you guys think about the effect of this writing? Whoever wants it, hit it. I think Chris um, wants it that uh, Slot and Rainbows are perfect for each other because they write, they write and draw so haphazardly. Not haphazardly, but over enthusiastically, over exaggerated, um, emphasizing everything. Like they're neither of them are very subtle at what they do. I I would say, maybe sometimes they are. Last one, JVL ten. Kind of hit that one up, sir. Uh, I haven't seen Chronicle. Jr. hasn't. Anybody else seen Chronicle? That uh, I saw it. Dane DeHaan. He's playing Harry Osborn's Amazing Spider-Man Two. He uh, Josh saw it. Yeah, he was basically like a 
kid who threw a temper tantrum with powers, and I saw it with my brothers, and afterwards, like, we just kept on, like, yelling at each other, Andrew, no! Because I think it was his, like, brother, it was his cousin who was, like, trying to, like, stop him from destroying stuff, and the whole last hour of the movie is, like, the Harry Osborn actor destroying stuff, and his cousin yelling, Andrew, no! Real quick, around the horn before we put this with a big bow on the show and put it under We're the tree. the hospital. And sending me to the hospital mm-hmm. with my 102 temperature now. Uh, Bertone, uh, recommendations? Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, very good. I've seen it three times. Um, one of those times was, was for myself. The other two times was for different kids at work. And it is it is hilarious. It's basically kind of like Toy Story concept of like the things coming to life when you're not there. But it's arcade game characters. And it's very, very witty. And I love the um, the subplot with Jane Lynch plays a character called Calhoun, and the quote is, she's been programmed with the most tragic backstory ever, and she has so many funny over-the-top lines as she's, like, going through, like, all these other video games, and her romance I, with I, Fix-It Felix Jr. is is top-notch. I saw the movie also. When I heard that line, I thought of Betty Brant, and I thought of you. <laughs> I really did. I really did. Uh, anything else, sir? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, Chris? Uh, I just recommend that Everybody listening to this, you know, forgive each other for your flaws and um, learn to live in peace. <laughs> Very nice. JR, um, top that. Hey, I, <laughs> I, 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 well, I can't. Uh, the uh, I was about to say, because I was about to talk about me and my wife, so live in peace is kind of, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, but like pieces, yeah. we went to, uh, we, we went and saw Lincoln, and I was really surprised because, you know, the critics all love the movie, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, right. If Steven Spielberg films Daniel Day-Lewis taking a shit, the critics are going to love it. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, but it is. It's a surprisingly good movie. It is surprisingly accurate based on the research I've done. I mean, usually uh, docu-movies take huge liberties with reality, and apparently this is pretty close. And, uh, you know. You mean he didn't fight vampires? Yeah, you know, I was looking for the vampires and didn't see one. Um <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones turns in another terrific performance, even even though he's starting to play more of what our persona of Tommy Lee Jones is. You know, it's still it was still a really good character. And, uh, you know, Sally Field and Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, they do. They do a great job and they show that really these were damaged people. And uh, what, you know, and what Lincoln, you know, what he was able to accomplish was amazing. And even though history has not been favorable to Mary Lincoln, for various reasons, she was a mentally imbalanced woman. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, what, if once you bury three sons and have your husband shot in the head right next to you, you're probably entitled to a little bit of slack. But no, Lincoln, I would say definitely go see it. Anything else, sir? No. Kevin, I got two comics to recommend. Um, our our letter for the month is A. Both start with A for some reason. Um, <laughs> first is Top Cow's uh, series called Artifacts. Uh, it's the same company that publishes like Witchblade in the Darkness, and about two years ago they started a. It was going to be their big universe-wide event series, except it was going to be 13 issues long, kind of like Avengers versus X-Men, uh, and it was called Artifacts. And the whole idea was that all these supernatural artifacts in their universe come together, and the prophecy has always been if that happens, the universe gets destroyed, and they did that. Uh, the universe got destroyed, and the uh, the character that is the darkness remade the universe in the image he wanted, and that was Top Cow's reboot. It was their new 52. Um, but the odd thing is, I never heard about it until recently. <laughs> I didn't even know they did that. <laughs> um, and then after that, they turned Artifact into an ongoing series, um, and now it's starring a prequel cool character called Tom Judge. Uh, regularly, and, he, and it kind of navigates the uh, Artifacts universe. But that's up to number 22. It'll be up to number 23 by the time this comes out. It's a good read. I recommend uh, giving it a shot if you've been interested in those characters at all. And the second one is Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. Uh, the Avengers number one came out last week, and I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it, but I was just absolutely floored. I thought it was an outstanding first issue. And if he can keep that up, we've got a really good Avengers run ahead of us. So definitely check that out before all the copies disappear. Kevin, I'd recommend, if you like Hickman, go back to Fantastic Four. I've actually been reading yep. um, his Secret Warriors omnibus. That's good, too. Um, I'm, about maybe, yeah. I'm not quite halfway through it, but I'm really, really liking that. And I got the hardcover mm-hmm. of his first S.H.I.E.L.D. miniseries, too, that I've got to read. That's really trippy. 
<laughs> Anything else, sir? Yeah, that'll do it. That's, uh, you know, A is your letter for this month, Artifacts and Avengers. Donovan, you got a letter this month? Uh, D for Donovan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, your recommendation, sir? Uh, three things real quick. Uh, as, as I ever mentioned before, the next dimension, Dragon Ball Z podcast celebrates its one-year anniversary this month. Uh, for this, we have two episodes. We've already released the episode where we end the Freeze Saga. A lot of fun with uh, myself and my co-host, Jesse Garrett. Uh, we also have another episode coming out this month, which should be recorded and released this week, where we go over the next three movies, Tree of Might, Lord Slug, and Cooler's Revenge. So be on the lookout for that um, at dbsnextmission.libson.com. Also, uh, because of my work schedule, I, I end up working um, in the mornings a lot, and TNT always has these Law & Order Marathons. I've always been a fan of SBU, but I'm watching the, the original Law and Order, and I I might like it more than SBU because I think it, the the actors are really really good. Like um, you can't go wrong with Jerry Orbach, Stan Waterston, Jesse L. Martin. I'm really having fun watching the original Law and Order, and I'm really falling in love with it. Please check it out if you've not seen it. And finally, uh, someone on this podcast, uh, let's call him Josh B. Num. No, let's just call him J. Elbertoni. He uh, got me into Community. And um, it, that's an absolutely hilarious show. Uh, it's just it, its sense of humor is so so unique and so it's it's brilliant, honestly. I mean, I, there's, I'm not seen a show like that in a long time, and it feels refreshing to have humor that's clever and not obnoxious or stupid. So, uh, like like me, if you've not seen Community, check it out, and it's a lot of fun. Doing this off the top of my head, uh, I will second Josh's recommendation of Wreck-It Ralph. Like that a lot. I will also second Kevin's recommendation of Skyfall. Like that a lot. And I'll second <laughs> Chris's recommendation of Walking Dead Season 3. I like that a lot also. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Hulk number one was solid. Something we haven't mentioned. I like the ending of uh, Bendis's, at least his new Avengers wrap-up. With uh had uh, Spider-Man, Luke Cage, and, and uh, uh, Jessica Jessica Jones, is that her name? Alias? Yeah. Yeah. I like how they went off into the sunset and, and possibly set up a uh, yet another Heroes for Hire book, but I think this one actually will be good. Uh, pick, check that out. Hulk, I liked a lot, etc. All right, gang, any final thoughts before I go to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> Get a driver. Another yeah, sandwich, yeah. Brad, my wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shashan. Oh, my gosh. Any other final thoughts before I hit stop? Chris was right. Right. Chris was right. Nice Thank you for listening. <laughs> And that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Avengers number 5, written by Jonathan Hickman. Spidey's on the team, and he's got a new teammate called the Smasher. Evidently, that is the first human member of the Imperial Guard. And the cover price of the book, $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. That's a wrap on our 2012 shows. We're going to be back in January with even more spider fun with the gang. For the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brent Douglas.